This morning, beloved, we turn to John chapter 14, verse 1. You'll recall uh, we were in John chapter 17 last week with Christ's high priestly prayer uh, as um, in the evening last week, uh, showing us uh, a great way to have our assurance of salvation. And uh, we go back a couple chapters this morning to chapter 14. We're going to come back to chapter 14 this evening. You might mark it with your Bible. We'll come back uh, to look at another thing to consider. Um, but this morning, we, we give our hearts to verse one, especially this, the first part, but, but really the second part is how we do the first part, which I do want to point out to you is a command. So, uh, and it's a blessed command, uh, as I'll mention, uh, some of Christ's commands are the most merciful commands and we do right to obey him. So let's hear his command and, and hear his blessing for us in believing it and living it. The gospel of John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Let me read that again. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And as I'll point out to you, I think that latter part of the verse really relates to how to do the first part. Let not your heart be troubled. And we're focusing on that first part of the verse today. Let not your heart be troubled. Recently, I saw a man uh, teaching a number of things about how to start your day. And he even talked about how he trains. I, I don't really know the context, but he has people who uh, he trains about how to best start their day, maximize their day, maximize their life. And one of the things he said that I hadn't thought to do it yet, but I, I want to try to remember to start doing it. Similar to my doctor said a while ago, you know, if we would just do a few of things regularly, we'd be in such better health and uh, drinking water, eating properly, getting proper rest. But he also mentioned in stretching. You know, if we stretch, we get the blood flowing. In this case, the man said he trains his people to take exaggerated breaths in the morning. When you get up, I guess we kind of do that sometimes anyways. At first, right? Like, you know? But he said, like, do that a lot. Like, go, I got to tell you, I'm feeling better already. You know, now don't hyperventilate, you know, measure it pace yourself, you know, um, but do that, he said. And what it does is it gets a lot more oxygen into your system. And we need that oxygen for health and strength. And, uh, you know, even when you're in the hospital, they will often monitor your oxygen, make sure you're getting enough. Breathe exaggerated breaths regularly to start your day. Uh, if you're like me, go ahead and have that cup of coffee first, maybe. But then it starts, you know, um, breathe exaggeratedly long, get that oxygen in. Beloved, we can do the same spiritually when we find ourselves in moments that take our breath away, as one of you said to me recently, but not the sense of, oh, wow, but like we've had the wind knocked out of us because of difficult providences and painful struggles and losses, and we can breathe in extra big breaths of belief in Christ. And as we do, we find our hearts will feel better taking in his new mercies and joy waiting for us every morning in him. And just as uh, myself, not being a morning person, particularly or exaggerated by the fact that I'm usually not getting to bed until early morning. But, uh, you know, it isn't that I'm necessarily going to start jumping around doing calisthenics, but I can start the day better, feeling better, getting moving forward. Similarly, we often have those things that make us feel like we can't get out of bed. 
And we need to breathe in deeper, exaggerated breaths of belief and trust the Lord will help us, especially with a troubled heart. And that's what Jesus teaches us today. The way to obey Jesus, and it is a command again, the way to obey Jesus and not have a troubled heart. Now, don't misunderstand. He's not saying don't grieve and don't mourn. We'll talk about that more. But the way to obey Jesus and not have a troubled heart is to fill it with more belief in him. Especially on this, the Lord's Day. Breathe it in, beloved. Breathe it in. Snap yourself you know, if you need to have a good spiritual yawn in front of me, I'll understand. Stretch those arms, you know, breathe in, in belief, more of him. Now, why would their hearts be troubled at the time? Jesus, there's a referent here, although you don't see a therefore, there's a referent in verse one. He's carrying on a conversation in a context. It goes back to chapter 13. There's a few reasons they'd be troubled. And so he's consoling them. Believe in him and all his promises to get through what he's telling you is about to happen. That is very troubling to hear. Look at chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. But he's leaving them. The Lord Jesus Christ that they gave up everything for, he's going to be leaving them. They need to go out and make disciples of all nations with mission impossible, it would seem, except for the fact that he is in control and he gives them the Holy Spirit. But and, and he's going to tell them, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week in the morning. The other means of assurance is the Holy Spirit in us speaking to our spirit. But you can understand he's going to leave them after three years of everything. They're following him and then he's gone. You know, like, like any group with any leader, especially if it's a founding leader, when they're gone. You know, one thing I was really impressed about with Ligonier Ministries is I've learned that they're growing tremendously. And I said, that's a great sign of new healthy leadership because R.C. Sproul left and went to be with heaven. And sometimes ministries that rely on one person and personality and namesake can be difficult to keep going, but they're growing. And, but that can be the concern. You're leaving us. Now what do we do? So that's the first concern. He's going to go be crucified, by the way, and they know what the leaving is. He's been preparing them for that through the Gospels. The Son of Man's going to begin over to the hands of the Pharisees and scribes. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And even Peter says, no, 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 Lord. Remember in the Matthew, and Jesus has to correct them. Get thee behind me, Satan. I have to die so that you may live, right? But yet they don't want to have to see him go through that. But after he raises from the dead, he is going to ascend back to heaven to apply his blood, the blood of the Lamb of God, taking away our sins. And as the true high priest after the order of Melchizedek, he needs to go to heaven and prepare a place for us. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to comfort us in the meantime. But this would be troubling to to them. So he's reassuring them, let not your heart be troubled. It's all part of the plan. Now, then uh, verses 10 through 11, verse 18, verses 21 to 30, and verse 33, there's a lot of troubling information there, but let's look at verse 21. All related to this. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Who, Lord, who? And then he shows, you watch who I give the bread. And uh, it's Judas. He says, go do it. Get it over with. So he, he knows, and they're going to see, he's going to go through horrible suffering. It's going to be troubling. They're going to be scattered when the sheep is slaughtered. 
They're going to run and hide and tr be troubled. And so Judas is going, one of their own, he says, is going to betray me. One of you in our midst having the supper, you're going to betray me. That's troubling. I'm going to leave you. And by the way, one of you is going to betray me. And that's going to be the means of how this starts where I am killed. But then I'll be raised and go to heaven. I'm going to leave you. And one of you is going to betray me. So you all won't stay together like this. But there's another thing. And I think it's right before our verse today. Significant. What would be troubling to them? Verse 38 of chapter 13. Jesus answered him. Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not cry crow till thou hast denied me thrice I mean I just got goosebumps reading that Peter as you know impetuous Peter and we gotta love Peter he I'm gonna do everything Lord whatever I'll never let I'll never forsake you you know oh I have to be cleansed wash my whole body please you know he's just but no Lord no I don't want to see this and I'm never gonna deny you and and Jesus says Peter before the, the rooster crows in the morning, you'll have denied me. You will deny that you know me three times. That's troubling news, isn't it? After he does it, he weeps bitterly. And he didn't just deny him. He denied him with cursing. I don't know him. Now imagine that. A dear friend of yours. As soon as trouble strikes, I don't know who that is. I don't know anything about them. Well, that's troubling, especially for Peter and for them to hear one of us. And there's not many of us. One's going to betray Jesus. He's going to leave us. And Peter's going to deny him not one time, three times. Peter's one of their leaders. How are we going to make it if Peter of all of the apostles is going to deny our Lord three times? Oh, you can understand why he says, OK, listen to me. Verse one, chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in everything I've told you. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And as you're going to see in other verses, I, I, there's a reason I'm going back to heaven. You're going to be with me in heaven. You're going to be raised from the dead. I've given you victory. All power and authority has been given to me, he says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. But you can see why they'd be troubled. That is all very troubling news, is it not? It's difficult to anticipate, and it's difficult and troubling to prepare for. It's a cause for an anxious, heavy heart. So Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't be troubled about it. Now, it's not the same Greek word as Matthew 6, 25 and Philippians 4, 6, but we've studied those together often over the years. Take no thought. Often translated, don't worry. And it is there a command. That is, it is in the imperative. It's not a suggestion, it's command. And here, where he says, don't let your heart be troubled, beloved, it's an imperative. What am I saying? He's commanding you not to let your heart be troubled. That is, don't let it get to the place of utter despair. Remember, we've been studying at great detail the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer on Wednesday nights with Thomas Watson. And he's pointed out to us, and that's why we started the study, as I was trying to find and remember where he said this years ago now. It's there, he says, Satan wants to use all your other sins to get you to the sin of despair. Ultimate despair. Despair. 
This is really what Jesus is warning against. Don't let yourself go there. Don't let yourself get there. It's natural you'll have troubling experiences. It's natural you'll have concerns about them. We'll see Christ himself without sin be troubled in this text. But don't let yourself sin with worry and despair about it. Trust him in it. Trust him through it. Have peace that he's in charge and control of all of it. What have we been noticing in, when we went through Matthew and again in Mark? Sermons in Matthew, reading in Mark in the evening still. Jesus predicts all of this. He predicts that Peter's going to betray him. He predicts here we see in chapter 13 of John that Judas is going to betray him. And it's all according to prophecy. Matthew really draws that out. Just as it was prophesied, so it is fulfilled. And then Christ prophesies it again right before it happens. It's all in Christ's control for his glory and for your good. Wait on him. Trust him. Believe him. But he is commanding it. And uh, often I think we all say, I can't help it. I can't help that I'm worrying as if you're a slave to worry or as if worry is your king and not Jesus. Right. And we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, we can hear this sermon and we're going to go right out and start worrying about whatever we did before we got here this morning. And while we're sitting in the pew. Right. It's natural. It's our old human nature. Jesus says, don't. Don't fret. Come and be blessed. Breathe in. Breathe in belief here, especially in this means of grace. And how do you not let your heart be troubled? It's the second part, I believe. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in me. I've been sent from the Father. This is all according to plan. My going to the cross, my going to the grave, my going back to heaven is all part of the plan for your salvation, for you to have everlasting life. It is all part of the plan and all the things you're going to go through, whatever it is, you who love God and are called according to his purpose, it is all for your good. The Lord does good. All his ways, all his works are righteous and good altogether and wise. Trust, believe. You know, I was having this experience, and I, I'm not ashamed to tell you. Uh, I, I don't remember. It was about a week or so ago. I don't know why. I just started thinking about the Trinity, and I was seeing it in my devotions and reading, and I thought to myself, I know the Trinity is true, but the, uh, the arguments and attacks against it, three persons in one, how is that not three gods? You know, and I know the answer to those things, but for some reason, it gave me great anxiety, and then I just believed I just know that you said this, and I know it's true, Lord, and I know I can't fully digest it, but it's true. There is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So one God. Don't overthink it, because you'll blow your brain up. Just praise him and believe him, who is the true God. His word is true. I know it is. The Holy Spirit's testifying to me, and I'm reading it. Romans 8, 1 John 3 we saw last week. Just believe. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it go down that road. Believe. Believe Christ. Believe the gospel. Believe the Father who sent him. Believe. Believe. Trust him and his father, including all the details, even his own death as the means to your deliverance. Even that this is prophesied and predestinated. Acts chapter 2, 23. Both doctrines are true. You with your wicked hands killed Jesus and crucified him. And by the way, that was predestinated by God to happen, to give life. 
Believe and believe that he shall be resurrected. Believe. It's there in the Gospels. Don't doubt it. Believe in his resurrection. So you are comforted in the truth that you will be raised from the dead. How many eyewitnesses? How many are the fact that the scriptures actually say, especially in 1 Corinthians 15, eyewitnesses, many of them. Acts chapter 2, Peter quotes Psalm 16 constantly saying, David knew he was a prophet there, speaking of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Here, Jesus is raised. You've all seen it. Remember, he doesn't try to prove it. He says, you know it's true. Thus I prove to you he's the Messiah that we've been waiting for. It's true. Believe it, beloved. Don't let the devil make you have unbelief. Pray to Jesus as the disciples did. Help thou my unbelief. Increase my faith. Breathe it in with such prayers and watch him take you out of a troubled soul that would bring you down to despair. The devil guiding you there with his forked tongue and his clawy hand if you will let him take hold of you. Don't. Take hold of Christ. Trust him, such as in verse 27 of John 14. Look with me there. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Of course, he sells, says elsewhere, in this world you will have uh, tribulation, but don't worry, I have overcome the world. But notice here, you're not going to have any of your peace from this world. He gives a peace that's not of this world. You won't have any peace by going down the trail of the kind of despair and trouble that will leave you empty and leave you vulnerable to Satan. In despair, breathe in his peace. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Once again, I give you my peace. That's not of this world, but you got to take those heavenly breaths. Breathe it in. Believe in me. Believe in my father. I've conquered the world. Don't be troubled. I'll get you through. I'll raise you from the dead. You'll have the new heavens and the new earth in your resurrected bodies. Don't be troubled. All that you're going to go through. Now, this is similar also to Philippians 4, verses 7 and 9. Don't worry. Take no thought about the morrow. Instead, pray. And then the peace of God will be with you. And then just slightly later, don't be fighting and having all this disunity, which is his big concern in chapter 2. Philippians 4, verse 9, he says, think of all the good. Focus on all the noble. Breathe in what Christ commands and expect to be blessed by focusing on the good things about one another. Accentuating the positive. And the God of peace will be in your midst and you'll be able to maintain unity and fellowship in spite of all that's wrong about you and me together. Breathe it in. Don't be troubled. I mean, how often do you and I not fret about the troubles in our church and whether we'll be completely taken down? Don't be troubled. Believe. Believe. 1 Peter 3.14 But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. You are going to have trouble for being a Christian, especially for being a Christian. Don't be troubled about it. 
Believe him when he says verses 2 and 3 of our text. John 14, verses 2 and 3. Let me read into it with our text today, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Okay, don't be troubled about this world and what you're waiting on. Move on to verses 22 and 3 and believe it. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Ah, he's going to leave, but he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's bringing new Jerusalem out of heaven down to earth, the new heavens and the new earth, and he's preparing mansions for you there. I love to imagine what that is. What is that about? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Go to Coronado and go to La Jolla and look at all those places. And whatever you notice there, nothing compared to what God Almighty is preparing for you in his mansion. Notice mansions for you and his father. I guess we all get mansions. I don't know. I mean, I might be pushing that word in English. But just think about what is there for. But most importantly, I will come back for you. I need to go and prepare the place for you. And then I will bring it with me down to earth. And you will be here. And I will be with you always. Why? Because the angel Gabriel told you why. His name is Jesus. He saves you from your sins. So that his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So as he is not with you now, beloved, face to face, he is with you in the spirit and he is coming back for you. And you and I are often troubled as we show up week after week. Where are the new people to come to Christ? Lord, when will the world recognize you more? Lord, when will you do a work of reformation and repentance? Lord, are you with us? Yes. Believe my promises. I said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Believe these in and don't let your heart be troubled. Believe these promises. And remember and believe what he says in John 11. Turn with me to John 11. Verse 25. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead... Yet shall he live. And what is the context? Our brother's dead. If you were here, he wouldn't have died. Well, I'm glad it happened, he said to the disciples, so I can show my power to raise from the dead. Right? Of course, Lazarus is waiting for that again, as we are. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Believe this, beloved. Believe also in him. Believe these things. And don't let your heart go to utter despair. Don't let it be terribly troubled. Now, another thing to remember, chapter 15, just after our chapter today, verses 4 to 5, in the context. Verse 1, he says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. That's a very good parallel to chapter 14, verse 1. But look at this, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. 
Don't forget to abide in him. As he says, believe in me, believe in me. And believing is to abide in him, trusting and praying his promises, waiting on them, remembering his promises include in these chapters. He sends you the Holy Spirit to comfort and counsel you. Believe that and pray to him. And if you have no words, remember Romans 8 and let him groan for you. The Father receives and answers that and meets your needs. Believe these things that your hearts would not be troubled in utter despair. Now, one more thing. Turn to chapter 16, verse 22. Remember and believe. Remember and believe. 16.22, and you know, therefore, excuse me, ye now, therefore, have sorrow. So notice he's not saying don't be sorrowful, don't grieve. He's saying don't let your heart be troubled. And you now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. I mean, this is the glorious hope of the gospel. Jesus is coming back. No one is going to take our joy away. Nothing. No one. Go back to Romans 8, the end of the chapter, right? Because he's not leaving us. He's coming back for us. And remember in those chapters, he said, and I give you the Holy Ghost in the meantime. And by the way, what is one of his fruits? Joy. Through the troubles that we don't let our heart be troubled. Remember, breathe these things so that your testimony must be and will remain surely for you and in how you remember your loved ones gone before you. Second Corinthians four verses seven through eleven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. More than half a decade ago, I brought my first four children, all I had at the moment, and we breathed in and out that scripture many times together. I remember a specific place where we breathed in those scriptures while we went and paused at the Embarcadero together. And it helps you not to let your heart be troubled. It gives you that permission to say, but I am troubled, I'm perplexed, but not in despair, not forsaken, not cast down, not destroyed. Job 19 also, may it be what lifts up your heart. Verses 25 to 27, we had a sermon on this recently. And my understanding is our beloved Bruce Raglan recited these a few times on his deathbed. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. 
And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Beloved, and especially Debbie and Becky, as we go to the viewing for Bruce this Wednesday and his graveside of service this Thursday, you have those scriptures and you breathe them in and out and you hope in the resurrection and the, uh, and the reunion of Christians in Christ and all you with your beloved who've gone before in Christ. You breathe that in and you remember the promises. He's not staying there. I'm not staying there. And God is going to show his glory in raising us up out of it and giving us new spiritual bodies. Simply when Jesus says, as he did to Lazarus, rise up. Remember, remember the gospel say, it's the gospel of John also. When Jesus comes back, he will raise the living and the dead. Everyone. How? Simply by speaking in all his authority. Believe that. And don't be troubled. Believe that. This is the end of the story. The beginning of your eternal story. And notice, notice and be comforted by this to also have that permission to grieve, but don't let your heart be in despair and trust the promises following his example, not only his command. Look back at chapter 13, verse 21. Look what Jesus says. And remember the Garden of Gethsemane and his great depression. He sweat as drops of blood. He says, I am, I am in such a, I'm such a, state of pain uh, mentally that I'm, I'm almost wishing I could die. Verse 21, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. When he thinks of, of Judas, even though it's prophesied, right? He thinks of Judas and he's in He's, he's troubled by this, as anyone would. But he, he does not let his heart be troubled. You see, he reminds them and he reminds himself, this is, it hurts. It's a true reality, it hurts. But it isn't the end of the story. It's not where it ends. It's the means of the resurrection. It's the means of salvation and resurrection and eternal life for his people. But notice, he was troubled by this, but he found his resolve. He didn't go down with it. He went up with it to God. Verses 31 and 32, as he prepared to be lifted up on the cross. Therefore, verse 31, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him if God be glorified in him God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him and so can you go to that place of resolve not letting your hearts go down but be lifted up finding your help in Christ Here is some help by James Smith, a Puritan writer, 1802 to 1862. His article uh, called The Remedy for a Troubled Heart, based on this text today. James Smith, the remedy for a troubled heart based on this text. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. James Smith writes, we often trouble ourselves. Our Savior forbids it. He forbids it in tender love. He forbids it because it is injurious. 
He lays us open to temptations and fosters unbelief and anxiety. Our Lord would have us be calm, patient, and composed. Therefore, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He prescribes a remedy for heart trouble or inward anxiety. And I am continuing to quote James Smith. One, believe in God. Believe in God as your father, as loving you, acting for you, and rejoicing in your welfare. See him ordering all events with consummate wisdom, overruling all with infinite skill, and sanctifying all to your welfare by his sovereign grace. There is no room for chance, for his government is perfect. There can be no unkindness, for his love is infinite. All will be directed right, for he personally superintends every detail in the universe. The floating of the atom, the rolling of the sea, and all the movements of every mind are alike under his control and direction. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. Two, I continue the quote, believe also in me, believe that I sympathize with you. That I feel the deepest interest in your welfare. That I never withdraw my eye or heart from you for one moment. That I will support you in every place and under every trial. That my arm shall be stretched out for you to lean upon as you come up out of the wilderness of this world. That I will save you to the uttermost. That I will show you a brother's love. That I will stand by you as a firm friend in every distress. That I will overturn all the designs of your foes against you. Remember Jesus, that Jesus who lived for you, labored for you, suffered for you, died for you, rose for you, and is now in heaven pleading for you, says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My dearly beloved brethren, beloved believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, your resurrection and your life, believe in God and in him and that he is using all things for his and his father's glory and even for your own glorification. And let not your heart be troubled. And that is the message for you this morning from the text. Of course, just quoting essentially the first part of the text. Let not your heart be troubled. Memorize it, beloved. Believe in him 
and have it ready to say to yourself often as an expression of your belief in him as you find yourself troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. This too shall pass. He's coming back. We'll all be together in the Lord Jesus Christ with our new spiritual bodies forever and ever. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And in that, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we confess indeed that we are troubled, but let us not let our hearts be troubled. Though we are troubled on every side, let us not be distressed. Though we are perplexed, let us not be in despair. Though we are persecuted, let us, not, let us know we are not forsaken. Though we are cast down, let us know we will never be destroyed. Always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for your sake, Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We know our Redeemer lives, and we, he shall stand at the latter day on the earth, and we shall see God with our own flesh and in our own eyes. We do thank you that you are raised from the dead, the first fruits of our resurrection, which is certain. So we have hope that will not disappoint as an anchor for our souls. Lord, let us remember this. Increase our faith. Help thou our unbelief. And let us not let our hearts be troubled. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all your people said, Amen. Beloved, let us prepare together to partake of the Lord's Supper. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I'll read for us verses 22 to 25. We read the gospel. We read the scriptures uh, to institute the supper to see why we do it and why we do it, how we do it. Mark 14, 12 to 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the goodman of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. 
the Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So recognize he's saying we'll be back together. We'll be eating and drinking anew at the great supper of the Lamb. Beloved, I remind you that our Lord Jesus Christ instituted this, the Lord's Supper, as an ordinance to be observed by his church until he comes again to signify our abiding spiritual union in him, the vine. This is not a re-sacrificing of Christ, but a remembrance of the once for all sacrifice of himself. It is a means of grace by which God feeds you with the crucified, resurrected, exalted Christ. He does so by his Holy Spirit and through faith. Thus he strengthens you in your warfare against sin and in your endeavors to serve him in holiness. This sacrament signifies and seals the forgiveness of your sin and your nourishment and growth in Christ. The bread and wine represent the crucified body and the shed blood of your Savior, which he gave for you. The sacramental acts I perform signify the incarnation of Christ, his baptism, his atoning death, and his offer of himself as Savior. The acts performed by you as the church in response signify your acceptance of this offer and your feeding upon him who is the bread of life and manna from heaven. In this sacrament that we partake of together, God here confirms that he is faithful to fulfill the promise of the covenant to you. And he calls you to deeper gratitude for your salvation, to renewed consecration and to more faithful obedience. The supper also is a bond and pledge of the communion that believers have with him and with each other as members of his body. As scripture says, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. The supper also anticipates the consummation of the ages when Christ returns to gather all his redeemed people at the glorious wedding feast of the Lamb. And so as you come to the Lord's table, humbly resolve to deny yourselves, to crucify the sin that is within you, to resist the devil, and to follow Christ as becomes those who bear his name. Beloved, let us open the Psalter to page 39, Psalm 22. 
As we remember him in taking of the supper, we remember what he did for us and what he went through for us. And we recently sang the second part that prophesies of all of his physical sufferings, such as the piercing of his hands and feet in the second third of Psalm 22. Uh, today, and also that not one of his bones are broken, but today we go back to the first part, page 39, and we remember his mental agony that he went through, the troubling of his soul, and yet he did not let him, his heart be troubled and go into other despair. He cried out to God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Among his last verses, this is also fulfilled. We remember what he went through in his mental agony that would be ours in hell forever, except for him fulfilling it in our flesh representing us, in our soul representing us, but as eternal God to pay for it in a moment. We remember as we cry out to him to comfort us in our troubles that he went through terrible agony, but he now sits at the right hand of God, which we'll celebrate and sing at the end of the supper with the end of Psalm 22. But let us remember, you can remain seated. We will sing verses 1 through 8. Da, 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 da. My God, my God, why hast thou me forsaken? Why so far art thou from helping me and from my words that roaring are? All day, my God, to Sith 
such delight. We remember him and what he did for us. Beloved of the Lord, it is my privilege as a minister of Christ to invite all you who are right with God and his church through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to come to the Lord's table. If you have received and rest upon Christ alone for salvation as he is offered to you in the gospel, if you are a baptized and professing communicant member in good standing within a true branch of the visible church, if you live penitently and seek to walk in godliness before the Lord, and if you have met with our session to confirm this, the supper is for you. At the same time, God's word says, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven to 29. Let this warning not keep you who are humble and contrite and in covenant with his church away from the table of the Lord. Our Lord gives this supper as a means of grace for sinners. We come in a worthy manner if we recognize we are unworthy sinners who need our Savior, discern his body and blood given for our sins, and thank him for his grace and trust in his merit, and feed on him by faith and renew our covenant with him and with his people. And so, beloved, that being said, examine your hearts to determine whether such discernment is yours to the end that you may partake. And then come with joy and come with thankfulness to the Lord's table. His suffer, supper is medicine for poor, sick souls. Come to Jesus and find rest. Come to Jesus and find refreshment and nourishment for your weak and weary soul. Christ now invites you to eat the bread and drink the cup at his table. Beloved, lift up your hearts from these visible elements to heaven itself, where Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, where your lives are hid with him even now, and from where we look for him to return and protect, uh, perfect our redemption at the resurrection. For all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Breathe that in, in belief. Every spiritual blessing is found in him. And so with joyful hearts, in Christian love, partake of the table, giving thanks for the great love that he has shown to you. Come to your Lord's table with knowledge, faith, repentance, love, and souls that hunger and thirst after Christ and his benefits. Having examined yourselves and proclaiming, renewing your vows before the congregation that you will take the cup, let us sing of that now on page 258. 
Psalm 116. We'll sing verses 13 to 19 on page 258. I remind us all, especially our brethren preparing uh, for the uh, funeral of our brother this week, of verse uh, 15. Dear in God's sight is his saint's death. Because already, while we're waiting for the resurrection, they go to the greater degree of glory called the intermediate state uh, that we know Paul speaks of in Philippians and Corinthians, and our catechism has many lovely things to say about. This is a comfort to us, a reminder to us to believe in Christ as we partake of the cup, as we prepare to be there one day, and we look forward to their bodily resurrection with all. So we'll be singing together that we will take the cup, having examined ourselves. We renew our vows with Christ and one another in the midst of the congregation. We say L'chaim and we say Amen. You can remain seated as we sing verses 13 to 19. Da 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 I love salvation take the cup on God's name will I call I'll pay my vows now to the Lord before his people all. Dear in God's sight is his saint's death, thy servant, Lord, am I. Thy servant, sure thine handmaid, son, my bands thou didst untie. Thank offerings I to thee will give, and on God's name will call. I'll pay my vows now to the Lord before his people all. Within the courts of God's own house, within the midst of thee, O city of Jerusalem, praise to the Lord give ye. Before we ask the Lord to bless this in prayer as we think about that and what is said in that psalm. Remember Hebrews 11 that we are doing this before the great cloud of witnesses gone before us and we're expressing our fellowship in Christ in the spirit one day face to face. Believe in the resurrection. Believe in the perfect work of Christ on your behalf. Let us pray. With humble and hearty acknowledgement of the greatness of our misery, from which neither man nor angel was able to deliver us, and of our great unworthiness of the least of all your mercies, we give thanks to you, O Lord God, because your mercy yet endureth forever. We thank you for all your benefits, especially for that great benefit of our redemption. The love of God the Father, the sufferings and merits of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God by which we are delivered in his resurrection as we anticipate our own and proclaim this hope.
And we thank you for all the means of grace, the word and sacraments, and for this sacrament in particular, by which Christ and all his benefits are applied and sealed up unto us. We profess as we partake together of you that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ, by whom alone we receive liberty and life, access to the throne of grace, and admission to eat and drink at his own table, sealed by his spirit to assurance of happiness and everlasting life. Father of all mercies and God of all comfort and consolation, we earnestly ask you to grant your gracious presence and the effectual working of your spirit in us. Bless these elements of bread and wine to be used on this occasion, which we hereby set apart from a common to a sacramental use in the name and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King and the head of the church. Bless now, we pray, indeed, your own ordinance, that we may receive by faith the body and blood of Jesus Christ crucified for us. And so feed upon him that he may be one with us and we one with him that he may live in us and we in him and to him who hath loved us and given himself for us. Amen. I invite the elders to now come forward to assist me in serving you the body and blood of your Lord. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread and also the cup, a sacramental act significant of his taking a human nature into union with his divine person. Following his command and example, I take this bread and this cup and I exhibit them to you as the sacramental symbols of the body and blood of your Lord. After the Lord blessed the bread, he break it, a sacramental act significant of his sufferings and death upon the cross. Following his example, I break this bread and we give it to you, his disciples. The elders will now serve you the body of Christ. Please wait to partake together upon our lead.
For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, your Savior also took the cup, and having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. So I, having given thanks and ministering in his name, give this cup to you. The elders will now serve you the blood of Christ. Please wait to partake together upon our lead. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the remission of your sins. For as often as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. 
beloved, let us pray together. Thank you for redeeming us of our sins, Lord Jesus. And thank you for the promise and certainty of the resurrection. Let our hearts not be troubled. Let us believe you and believe in you and trust that you will come. And as we partake, we partake with certain hope. As we say together in the spirit, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. We pray in Jesus' name, all your people said, Amen. Love, would you please open your Psalters to Psalm 117, page 259? No, excuse me. Uh, I would like to close this time uh, with Psalm 22, the last part of Psalm 22. Page 41. Now remember this last part, following what Christ went through in the Passion on the first two parts, all the prophecy about Jesus, there's also prophecy in this last part, and it's about his resurrection, it's about his presence in your midst right now. He has never left you, will never forsake you. The Holy Spirit is with you, you are with one another as the temple of the Holy Spirit. In verse 25, it's quoted in the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament saying, this is Jesus Christ speaking, within the congregation great my praise shall be of thee. My vows before them that him fear shall be performed by me. Beloved, let those be our words as well as we will sing this together in the congregation. If you're able, please stand and uh, we will sing this and close with the benediction. So we'll sing all of page 41. I will show Just notice I'm singing the wrong tune. You probably already did, so that it's a little easier. Da 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 da. Verse 24. For he despised not nor abhorred the afflicted's misery, nor from him hid his face, but heard when he to of 
receive the triune God's blessing, particularly have in view what Jesus said to you in John 14, verse 1 today, let not your heart be troubled and remain, uh, receive this means of grace as well, his, his blessing, the high priestly blessing from the triune God. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.